Hey, Peppin. Yo, yo. Ah! Oh, sorry, I was, I got scared, and I thought of spooky things. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I was scared by spooky things. I was having scary thoughts. Well, like, what scared you exactly? The, the scary thoughts, or just... Just scary thoughts. They were, I got spooky stuff. We talked about ghosts a lot. You know, sometimes you got things scare you. You know, it, it's kind of weird, because it was just the thought of scaring you, right? So, I think we need to go deeper into the psychology of horror. I think we need to talk. We did the talk. Welcome back. So glad you could join us. I am here today with The Candle and Nate. How's it going, Nate? The Candle is pretty good. Definitely glad to hear that. And uh, we do have back on a very special guest, my mom, Sandy. How's it going, Mom? Hi, good. How are you? Very good. Glad that we're all here again. Um, and it is, we're, we're knee deep right now in the Halloween season. Uh, very spooky time of year. And uh, I'd love to talk a little bit more about the psychology behind horror. Why do we like being scared? You have haunted houses, scary movies, scary books. It's a whole industry, and we devote a, a whole month to it at this point. It's no longer just a single day. What about that makes it something that we all feel is a good part of that sentence wasn't going anywhere. So where I think you were going that is, like, why do we want to be scared? <laughs> like, why, why, why is this a thing? You know, like, we like seeing creepy things, which is one thing. But also, we like scaring ourselves. Like, I, I think about... You know, like amusement park rides or uh, going into haunted houses or even cliff jumping. There's all these kind of crazy, scary things we do. And why do we like this kind of scariness stuff? Uh, very eloquently put. I think that, um, I, I don't know, I feel like roller coasters and a haunted house are two different types of being scared. They're not the same thing because there's a creepy aspect to one and a thrill aspect to the other. But they do definitely overlap. Now, would you maybe say that the roller coaster has, like, let's say, let's call element X, right? And then let's say a haunted house has element X, but it's element, an element X plus creepiness. Is that kind of what you're saying? Like, is that the overlap? Like, they have the same element, but there's also something added to it. I, yeah, I think it's the same, the same element, but different. At the same time, different levels, different ways that it comes about, and therefore it comes about in a different way. What would you say, Sandy? Um, I think one is an adrenaline. Well, I guess they're both adrenaline rushes. Is the adrenaline rush really what makes us like scary things? So, Sandy, when you go to a haunted house, what's kind of the feeling you have? Um, well, fear, which is a thrilling feeling to feel. Like fear as in like you're afraid of being scared, like you're you're afraid before even being afraid? Right. Yes. The anticipation. Mm, I think anticipation's a really good point to be made yes. um, when talking about haunted houses um, or anything where you're intentionally putting yourself in a position to be scared. The anticipation of being in a situation where you're going to be scared is a large part of what makes being scared so appealing. Here's something interesting to think about. 
So you enjoy being scared, but there are things that are so scary that you would avoid them. Like for me, it would be heights. So I won't go on a Ferris wheel <laughs> because I'm terrified of the heights, but I'll go in a haunted house. So is that a threshold of amount of fear or is that a specific situation that gives you a different type of fear? I would say it's a different type. I mean, something I'm thinking about is with the different types, like what differentiates a roller coaster from a haunted house? I mean, in a way, the haunted house should be even more frightening because you don't quite know what's in there. You don't quite know what to expect. And it, at least as far as your mind sees, it's going to go on for the foreseeable future. But with the roller coasters, I mean, at least when I ride a roller coaster, what happens is this is the first initial kind of giant hill you climb up, and that's where things are scary. And you know in your head, once I go past this hill, it's all going to be fun. Like, this next hill is not going to be bad. This little loop I do is not going to be bad. Whereas with a haunted house, you don't know if it's going to get bad, worse, better, or what. But there's a much larger element of safety involved in a haunted house. You know that's just for fun. That's all pretend. A roller coaster, something really tragic could happen. The likelihood of something tragic happening on a roller coaster or skydiving is so much huger than a haunted house or a movie or something along those lines where you know you're safe. I think the biggest appeal about haunted houses and movies and books that are scary is more in the lingering feeling afterwards than the actual initial thing happening. Because you can read something or watch a movie and weeks later still not want to go into the bathroom and look in the mirror because in the book or the movie, something happened when somebody looked in the mirror in the bathroom. There's a lingering psychological effect. Whereas in a roller coaster, you're not going to be scared a week later. You might remember it as thrilling, but you're not going to be scared that walking down the stairs is like a roller coaster. Good point. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting because I, I can't think of one time I've been like traumatized by a roller coaster. I, I mean, I'd also add that I don't think most of us really rationalize the you know, the potential danger of roller coasters. This is, we don't rationalize the potential dangers of cars. Driving is very dangerous, but we don't really see it like that. We don't perceive it like that. Sandy, have you ever, like, had a lingering fear of a roller coaster or any kind of thing like that? Like, I, I can't think of any. You no. obviously happen, Steve. Just the Ferris wheel. So, is it the artistic aspect of, say, a horror movie or a horror of a haunted house that would make us kind of have that lingering fear within us? Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say the artistic aspect. I would say more that it's more realistic of something that could happen in your life for real. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of a really realistic book or movie that could happen to anybody. Some of the stuff that's scared me has been the most unrealistic and I'm, I'm kind of weird so I'm, I'm probably the exception here if that's true but it's it's like there was this movie I saw way back in the day and it's like a 60s, 70s movie, I, I don't know but the basic premise was they shrunk down to like a, like a microscopic size and went inside the human body to kind of, uh, you know, solve some person's problem. The magic school bus? No, th this is before it was like cliche, I think, but they, they, they copied it, they copied it, but 
so in this movie, there's, of course, the bad guy who wanted to actually secretly kill this guy or something like that. I don't know. Like, they're all trying to escape this kind of uh, capsule or whatever, and, cause, and they're trying to get, get out. And this one guy was still trying to kill him, and then he ends up getting attacked by all these kind of bacteria and dies that way. That's a very unrealistic way, but that, that fucked me up. Are you talking about inner space? I, I think it's inner space, yeah. Oh, my God. That's comedy, Nate. <laughs> I have some terrifying Abbott and Costello to show you. <laughs> oh, man. Don't show this kid space balls. But just the idea of kind of dying inside someone's body microscopically and no one knowing, no one being able to see that, and just being attacked by someone's cells in the body, that's, that, that's a very frightening thought for me as a child. Fair. <laughs> You know what fascinates me is people who aren't afraid, like watching scary movies. And I have a friend that is not afraid; like mm. he can watch anything, never scares him. Mm. I don't understand that. Now, when you say he's not scared, is he is he startled? Let's say there's like a jump scare or something. No, I guess we kind of put ourselves in the movie. You know what I mean? Like it could happen, or we feel what they feel. Uh, there's definitely an element, like with any any medium reading or, or or movies where you need to suspend your disbelief. And if you don't do that, then you're just watching actors on a screen. But then where's the fun? Right. I have a lot of fun watching movies by analyzing them. So uh, oftentimes, even horror movies, I don't watch many horror movies, but let's say I did. And when I have, what I do is I look at, like, oh, why are they doing it this way? Why why are they doing this? Why why is this? Oh, they're trying to build suspense right now, and they're going to fake me out. Okay, they didn't fake me out. So they're, they're trying to make me think they're going to fake me out, but then they actually didn't, which actually, you know, kind of scared me a little bit or kind of caught me off guard. Mm -hmm. So that's a very cerebral way to, to watch, but I feel that it misses some of the uh, actual enjoyment. That's a, a different type of enjoyment. I can definitely do the same thing. Um a good buddy of ours, Nick Stewart, is a film major. So we would watch a lot of movies together and we would really be able to break down the elements and talk about like, oh, wow, that's a really cool shot. But in a way, it draws you out of the movie. And a lot of the reason that people use those mediums is to kind of get themselves out of reality, pull themselves into another reality and just kind of, I don't know, in a way it relaxes your mind. And it's also fun just to, to sit back and watch something, a story unfold. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 I would definitely agree it takes out from the intention of the movie. So the movie is supposed to be scaring you. And if you're looking at it saying, man, these special effects are pretty good. Is it, what did they use for that kind of blood effect right there? Did they use pig's blood or maybe some kind of dye? What kind of mixture? That, that, it's not intended for that. Really, they're trying to make it so that you wouldn't ask those questions. But the fact that you do is kind of, yeah, it doesn't quite go with the author's intent. It's not necessarily better or worse. It's, it's just a different type. And it, it pulls away from being able to take, to get that fear. Back to, you know, the, the topic, being able to be afraid and get that thrill, whatever it may be. When you watch a horror movie, Sandy, do you really get into the characters and the feelings and stuff? Yes. Like, how does that work? I'm kind of not in that position very much or at all. It's very hard for me to get into a movie like that. So let's say a character is feeling anxiety 
on the in, in the movie. Are you feeling anxiety at the same time? Yes. In- interesting. I mean, if they're portraying it properly, yes. And let's say they feel relief. Like, let's say, oh, there's someone behind the wall. And then they're, they they're kind of leave. It's just a cat. <laughs> or, yeah, or it's just a yes. cat. You, you also, yes. You're also relieved? Why is it always just a cat? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. I was wondering that. <laughs> but I personally wouldn't want to know how, completely how they're made. Mm. Because that would take away from me. Mm. Like, especially a movie I really like. I wouldn't want to know. Like, I guess sometimes I kind of wonder, like... In The Exorcist, how did they make that girl's head spin? Mm. Like oh. Plato's cave style. Once you see the light, there's no going back. Yeah, you, you can't enjoy it that way anymore. Exactly. Uh, I think there's a movie. Uh, what is it? The Wizard of Oz. I mean, everyone knows that movie. Yes. <laughs> and the the backgrounds they look pretty real at first, right? And I, when I was watching it as a kid, I never noticed that they were just painted on, right? Just painted backgrounds. Yeah, and then once you see it, you're just like, oh, they're on a set. The backgrounds are painted, yeah. and, you, and you can't unsee it. It's so, it's so annoying. Yeah, exactly. And similarly, maybe if the way they have it done with the you know spinning head, once you know how it's done, you can actually kind of see how it's working. It's like yeah, exactly. Uh, so I don't want to know because mm. that would ruin the movie for me, and that's one of my favorites. Mm. So there are definitely ways that can can pull you out of the the fun um, that is associated with being scared. What do you what do you think it is about being scared? Does it meet? Does it give us some sort of need that we're otherwise not getting? Like um, maybe it's a primal instinct of some sort to to actually be get that fear. Well, fear itself is absolutely. It's a way of our body warning us that something's not right. Like. <laughs> There's a dinosaur coming. You should be scared, you know. But we don't have to fear those things really anymore. Does it, like, keep us sharp? Like, uh, allow us to quickly get into that fear state if we ever did need to? Yeah, possibly, sure. I mean, would you say that we have, like, a lack of fear in our everyday lives and we're trying to make up for that in some kind of way? I can see that as being an appeal, yes. Mm. I think it definitely depends who you are. Some people are just naturally naturally more afraid as as people there's some people where if you like even spook them a little bit they start like you know they go screaming oh my god how could you and so there's other people like myself where it's like you could try to scare me and maybe if you get me off on a certain day you'll scare me but you're able to be like oh hey (laughs) maybe there's something else to this that i'm just thinking about what if we like to be scared because then when we come down from being scared, we realize how safe we really are. And it allows us to appreciate that that much more. And therefore, we are less scared in our everyday life. Like knowing that there's something really bad out there, but knowing that it's not really something you have to worry about. Hmm. That makes sense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build off that a little bit because I could see that in, say, neurological terms or kind of like, um, you know... So it's like when we're stressed, all this cortisol and stress hormones get built up in our brains, right? And this causes all these issues, right? We, we, have, we have to stress. We want to release it somehow. And then when we realize that there's no actual threat and, you know, mediums like haunted houses and movies are great examples of this, where we're initially scared, but then that kind of release will kind of rush in dopamine and all this other stuff to kind of counteract that. And we get kind of addicted or kind of uh, – not addicted. We get kind of pleased by this kind of stress – Release. Stress release. So it kind of flushes your brain? Yeah. So you're making the argument 
just like you did with dreams, that it's like taking a shit with your brain. <laughs> Is everything in life like taking a shit to you, Nathan? Say something funny. God, like, I, I can't come up with anything that's not going to sound like shit coming out of my mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, um... So there's a lot of different mediums uh, to be scared. You know, we talked about like some of the most intense, like bungee jumping, skydiving. Um, and then we talked about some of the more low-key ones, like a haunted house or something like that. Now, Halloween or, you know, this whole month of October that we've now kind of turned into um, a, a spooky month is less about skydiving and much more about the haunted houses. So what makes the month of of October and the celebration of these creepy things mean so much to us versus it's not, I'm making the argument. It's not just fear that we're celebrating. We're celebrating creepiness and that's completely different though related. Why, why do you think we want to dedicate time, energy and thought to especially so much of that to creepiness? I mean, so I, I know some of the history behind this, and it has to do with kind of uh, a, a lot to do with Catholicism, also some pagan holidays as well. So they'll say Catholicism kind of took this from the pagans, which which is true. But either way, so there was fall harvest, which would happen you know around fall because this is when you'd harvest all your crops, your pumpkins, all so on and so forth. And so what happens that around the same time is when I, I don't know Catholicism too well, but there's something about like a uh, the, the thing where the souls are waiting in purgatory or something like that, and then they get kind of they either go to hell or they go to heaven or whatever, and so that was kind of creepy, kind of something like that. It was, so this whole fall harvest was kind of a celebration of life, but also a celebration of death because these trees would be wilting, all these kind of crops would be dying, but then you're also getting all this kind of food and stuff. So it kind of became one of those things. It was like a pagan tradition with that, and then. There's actually the creepy aspect because it's just kind of like a death kind of surrounds the whole fall harvest with all, all the trees dying, all the crops dying, and so on and so forth. And also people tend to die in the winter, you know, back then because winters are pretty harsh in the European region. So it, creepy stuff gets added and, and added and added to it. So it, it's, it's just kind of a... Uh, Self-perpetuating meme? Yeah, and... It, it's good you brought up memes because I knew you'd love that, Nathan. I, I'm, I'm going to go there. So, so just to make sure everyone's clear, when, when I say meme here, I'm not talking about like internet memes, like uh, you know, can I have cheeseburgers and stuff. Rather, I'm talking about just the idea of an idea which self-replicates. Do you know any memes from the internet that aren't from 2001? <laughs> Pepe the Frog. Oh God. <laughs> So, imagine that someone puts out, say, like a witch or something. Not say, let's not say witch. Puts out? Yeah, let's say someone puts out a decoration for Dracula, right? Let's say someone puts out for a witch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, let's say someone puts out decorations of Dracula, right? And they start getting a lot of attention for that. And then other people start pointing out Dracula's as well, because they're celebrating, oh, it's Dracula month, right? Well, then other memes are going to start competing for this because they want to replicate themselves. Dracula has been around for like 100, 200 years or something like that. I don't know how long exactly, but it's been around for a little while. It's been self-replicating in very various ways, modifying itself. And in a similar way, you can have other memes such as witches 
uh, other vampires. You could have werewolves, mommies, goblins, so on and so forth. And they see that, oh, hey, Draco's right here. He's getting attention. Now, if I put myself out here, I can get attention as well and self-replicate as well. And so the memes will use people as a way of replicating themselves. So we just start getting all these creepy things kind of just combined around this one area just because this one thing is getting this kind of attention at that one time. So where did the tradition of going door-to-door begging for candy come from? I, I don't know. Look it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both just struck out. Well, I can tell you where where I read the, I, the costume thing came from. It was in the pagan days. It was actually uh, you would dress up as you wanted to be. Like you wanted to be stronger, so you dress up as a bear. You wanted to be. That's, that's really interesting um, to dress up as what you want to be. Now it seems far less that. Yes. I, I am very ironic with how I dress up for Halloween. When I worked at this place where <laughs> I would prepare cable boxes, I was a temp, and as a temp, I had to wear the temp shirt, and all the full-time employees had their full-time employee shirts. So what I did on Halloween is I got one of the full-time employees to lend me a full-time employee shirt, and I dressed up as a full-time employee. That's a brilliant idea, Nathan. You shoot for the moon in your costumes. (laughs) Then at my current place, which is a coffee shop, which will not be named, I dressed up in a black shirt and yeah i I was a manager (laughs) so so you dress up as the next higher up position from you yep Hmm. maybe i should dress up as my boss family um so something something that you mentioned nate that i think is is really interesting i'd love to expand upon is the changing in the seasons um and the fact that you know the leaves are, are are falling off the trees and the uh, the crops are all being harvested. So there's this huge amount within nature of death, um, or at very least, you know, uh, hibernation, a sleep, a long sleep. So it makes sense that in October, as it's starting to fall into winter, into the the sleep months, we would celebrate death and celebrate, you know, the the fact that ever, that these things are happening within nature. Um, and then it would kind of fall into, you know, I got to stop saying fall into. You, you know, you, despite saying fall into, you did a much better job of articulating it than I did. Well, that's fairly different than usual. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it's it's pretty interesting to, to celebrate death and to, um, I, I think it kind of pulls back the veil a bit from, you know, we don't like to think about death as much as we can, though we all know deep down there it is an inevitability um, in our lives, let alone for ourselves. It's something really hard to grasp onto and to think about. So to celebrate it kind of puts it in a different light. And by taking all of this scary stuff and putting it all together and really thinking about it and holding on to it, it makes it less scary and more manageable in our everyday lives. Hmm, that's an interesting point. Also, something interesting is that kind of the theme or the general theme in these kind of horror aspects is that there is the threat of death, but you survive. So it's kind of 
putting death into your mind, but also releasing you from death in a way. So is that like to say that we realize death is inevitable, but in these movies or whatever, you're escaping death. Therefore, it kind of lends to the idea that maybe death is escapable. Yeah, yeah. See, this is... I don't like this argument here because it's very metaphorical. It's very airy, airy. But I also think the mind kind of works in metaphors often. So I think this might be one of those kind of weird things that don't quite make sense, but your mind kind of sees it that way. Mm. Well, something something as inconceivable as death anyway is so abstract, though it's a reality that it makes you kind of have to think of it in metaphors and, and abstract ways because it's not... It's not anything tangible. It's more or less the exact opposite of something tangible. Sandy, have you done a lot of thinking about death? <laughs> well... Here at We Need to Talk, we are the most morbid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you when you watch a horror movie, are you thinking about death at all, or are you just... No. No? No. It's more about the thrill of the fear. I mean, I'm not thinking, oh my god, I could die that way. But isn't that where the fear comes from, is the... I feel like fear stems from death, death being yeah. the ultimate fear. Unless, I guess there are other things that, that you can fear. Um, but I feel like most horror movies kind of lend to death. Being yeah, that's fear. true. I mean, from a, from a weird point of view, like, you think about, like, most animals, like, say, rabbits and so on and so forth. They don't have any conception of death, but rather they have fear, right? And they're afraid of something, right? This is what they're programmed for, but... You know, they don't think, oh, if I get caught by this fox, I'm going to die. They don't think that. And in a similar way, I mean, it's the same thing when you're watching a horror movie. There's this idea, like, i got to avoid this thing, being caught. But it's not, I want to avoid being caught because I'm going to die. It's uh, not... I, don't, I don't think I agree with that. I don't either. I think a lot of animals understand death. Uh, elephants, for example, will mourn other elephants when they die. I mean, w though, the difference there... I, I mean, just to tease out a whole small detail here, would you also say that they have that conception applied to themselves? I, I could see having that conception applied to, say, their prey or to their comrades, right? But are they thinking about deaths in terms of themselves? Is it something that could happen to them? Well, I think if, a, if a, like, say, a mouse sees a hawk's shadow, yeah, it's thinking, holy shit, I'm going to die, and it runs. I I think Nate's making the argument that it's not putting... It's not thinking the long term of death and the permanency of death, but it rather it's acting on the chemicals in its brain that's making it afraid. But I argue, fear. I, I argue that's more or less the same thing. Yeah, well, I, I guess into like a weird thing where there's the concept of death, and then there's like the fear of death. And having a fear of death is kind of more of a primal thing, and having a concept of death is a little different. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's an overlap somewhere within the hierarchy of the animal kingdom, where some animals do understand and some don't. Uh, could well, we, we ever? Do. Could we ever figure that out? Uh, that's that's kind of up in the air. Uh, there was that Onion article saying they uh, taught one of those uh, chimpanzees who knows sign languages about death. Great, great topic. <laughs> 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 oh man i'm gonna snopes that on an article <laughs> so something that i think is really interesting is uh, in terms of fears is that a lot of people have the same types of fears whether they're rational or not to the point where they become phobias like earlier you mentioned mom 
heights, that you don't like heights. Um, and I think that's a, a really, really common fear for people to have. Um, but then there are some fears that are a little more abstract, and then there's fears that get too completely ridiculous. Like, there's no real reason that you should be afraid of things like that. So I, I'm wondering where that comes in. Is that through trauma, or is that through something different that you can get into, um, you know, more common fears towards the other end of the spectrum? I have a really weird fear, fear that I can't really figure out where exactly it came from. But I avoid it in the grocery store. <laughs> like, I can't even smell it. It makes me sick. Is it Walmart employees? No. <laughs> no, it's a vegetable. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, no. <laughs> what is this fear exactly? It's celery. <laughs> no, like, I don't even like the name. I don't... Uh... Mm. It's, uh, if it's on it, TV, I'll look the other way. It's very well known in our house not yes. to not to use the C word in any of the cooking. It, it worked, too. Not the oh, common my... C word, but the special C word. <laughs> well, I guess both, technically. You don't like the smell, the look, or anything? There's nothing about it that I... Yeah. No. I don't like the smell, the look. Has, how I've never asked any questions about it. Do you feel comfortable addressing it a bit? Yeah, I don't know where it came from. Do you know when about it started? Is this like since you've been born or within the last 10 years? Or No, it's been an ongoing thing. I I don't remember exactly when it started getting really bad, but... It's been progressively it's worse? It's getting progressively worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And you're not sure where it originally came from? Right. Or anything along those lines? I wonder if there maybe is something traumatic that happened in association that you're either misassociating or something like that, but you're also um, repressing that. Well, that's my guess. <laughs> maybe I was eating it and something bad happened. Mm -hmm. There could be a couple of things going on here as well, because there, there could be the initial seed, right? But it's one of those things where, uh, let's say initial seed wasn't that bad, but it's enough to make you kind of avoid celery a little bit, right? And then you start exploding celery more and more, right? And then it kind of feeds in on itself. And this, it's like a feedback loop, right? And it, right. you start avoiding more and more. It's, it's like people who have panic attacks, like from some kind of thing, right? The panic attacks will get worse and worse, not because what started it was, like, necessarily that bad, but because they start panicking about panicking. And similar way, like, you're not liking celery gets worse because... You're not liking celery about knocking celery. That doesn't make any sense, but you know it's what I'm just... saying. No, it definitely does. Compound interest. <laughs> <laughs> even people at work avoid eating it, avoid bringing it in. Because if they even have it, if they handled it the night before, I know. Mm. I can smell it. <laughs> they think I'm nuts. Well, well I might be nuts. It is a bit crazy. It is. But Our... where does it come from and why? Mm. Why? Celery itself or your fear of it? Ugh, yeah. Well, both, yeah. <laughs> Why does it have to be a thing? I mean, I don't know what would cause it exactly. I I have a bit of a theory about certain ones, like certain kind of psychological fears or irrational ones. I, you, you would be happy to say that celery is an irrational, irrational fear, right? All phobias are irrational. So, by definition, all phobias are irrational. But there's also phobias that come from kind of not rational places, but understandable places. So there's this kind of phobia online. I forget what it's called, but it's the fear of, like, uh, spots, which are in kind of these weird patterns. Uh, you know what I'm talking about at all? No idea. I think it's called tryptophobia or something like that. I, I'm going to forget. 
but it's these kind of weird kind of like patterns, right? And it, it kind of creeps people up like crazy. It's very weird looking. And you see these kind of patterns every once in a while, and it kind of creeps me out a little bit. It doesn't It's not a phobia. But it seems kind of weird, but then you see there's actually a skin disease that looks pretty similar to it. And it kind of looks like it might be a skin disease, and it's, it's very irregular. So I could see maybe someone being scared of that because they're thinking in their mind, with their brain at least is thinking, oh, that's something messed up. That must be disease. That must be kind of bad, right? Now, the phobia is a bit irrational, but where it's coming from might be, have some validity to it. Whereas uh, celery, it's hard to say if there's much validity behind it unless you had like a bad experience with celery. Maybe I choked on it. Maybe I saw somebody choke on it. Or an allergic That's a reaction. real thing. Or an a- allergic reaction. An allergy of some sort. There's a real phenomenon out there where if you eat something and you start getting a really bad stomach, it's really, really hard to enjoy that thing again or right. to even eat it. So maybe I got sick one time after I ate it. I don't know where it came from, but it's real. That happens to me all the time with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> It never makes you go away from it, though, does it? Well, it does. It makes me switch what type I drink. Oh, like, I, I don't drink vodka anymore. Oh, gosh, me either. Because it just, it screws with my stomach. But, like, I can drink Jaeger. Like, that's so much harder than, than vodka. But there's something about vodka that I just can't stand. Mm. I, I try to be very mindful about, like, what I eat sometimes if I'm feeling sick. Because I realize that, like, like, let's say I'm feeling sick and I eat something I really like. Let's say it's uh, dark chocolate or something. And then I throw up. My brain's going to think it's the dark chocolate that made me throw up. Right. So next time I see dark chocolate, I'm going to go, ugh. Right. So I, I try to avoid that kind of shit. <laughs> right. And I, I understand what you're saying. I guess if you had like a really good alcohol choice, you probably wouldn't want to get really drunk off that. Well, I still do. And, you know, <laughs> there's plenty of other ones I can switch into. <laughs> I guess I guess it's the advantage of alcohol with so many brands. <laughs> Exactly. So many different types. Eventually, I'm going to be out, and I'm going to have to go to, like, Brandy and stuff, and that's just going to be gross, but... Moonshine. You make it happen. Oh, Moonshine's been some good stories with that stuff. (laughs) Um, So, everybody's tripped off by something different, and everybody's scared of different things, and we have some things that everybody's scared of. Um, You know, of course, I'm talking generalities. There's exceptions, blah, blah, blah. Snakes, spiders... Exactly. A lot of people, like like huge amounts of people, sometimes even majority of people are scared of things such as death. Lions. Such as lions and death in that order. Tigers. Bears. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect. (laughs) So, I mean, because everybody has, you know, similarities, differences, I'd love to hear from you guys, you know, what sort of things – scare you the most and then what sort of things going back to our original topic here of halloween do you like being scared by do you seek out to kind of get that thrill um mom we know that you have uh the c word um are there any other things specifically that you really don't like heights is another one spiders i used to be terrified of dogs but not so much anymore especially now that i have one i'm not I've gotten over that one. So maybe I need a pet spider and a garden with that stuff growing in it. Do you do you want to give a <laughs> shout out to your puppy? Delilah. <laughs> All right, Delilah, if you're listening. <laughs> it's probably with mom. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Nate? Uh, do you have anything uh, that you that you're particularly frightened by? Sharks? Mine are more unrelatable. With, with, with one exception. 
The one exception are no, not sharks, not sharks. <laughs> but the one exception are like swarms of like ants, and it's like one or two ants. That's not bad, but you know, you ever see like a whole colony of ants kind of out on one thing or bees or anything like that? It, it kind of creeps me out a little bit. It's a little like ugh. one time I was out on the edge of my dad's garden. And there was a big mound of dirt, and I went to to throw something, like, over the top, and I happened to step in it, and it was actually a huge ant mound that was, like, up to my knees. So I was up to my knee in it and didn't know it was, and then, like, I stepped out of it and started walking away and felt something. It was, like, summer, so there were short, I had shorts on, and I had ants, like, running all the way up my leg, like, all over me, and I dove into the pool, like, it was a bad situation, but that's the only time I've ever had an issue with swarms. And you guys should see the face Nate made when I was describing that. <laughs> I missed it. It was very uncomfortable for him. I had a similar experience, like, up Maine. Like, I was standing on this pile, and this, I didn't realize it was an anthill. I didn't realize anthills could get that big. And my whole leg was swarmed, and I had no pool to swim into. <laughs> mm. Is that kind of where this fear stemmed from, you think? or I think so, because I, I didn't have that beforehand. Mm. Now, excluding the ants and kind of swarms of insects... You think that's the rational one? Th- that's the rational one. Cause, you know, because ants... Being swarmed by something is kind of terrible and terrifying. The irrational one, or... Is, is, it, yeah, it's irrational. It, it's kind of unrelatable. It's more philosophical, or you could say... Uh, conceptual so when i was little i had the fear of being transported to a another world which has nothing in it it's just vast empty space and then i'm there and for whatever reason i'm just there for eternity by myself yeah that definitely sounds creepy and the other one was kind of similar to that and it's uh I die, but my soul stays attached to my body. This is back when I thought the soul was a thing. Maybe we can have a podcast on that, but... I would love to. But uh, my soul my soul would stay attached to the atoms, and then I would like just be a pile of dirt for four billion years and just have to, like, just be there. Not be, be able aware? To be, be aware, be, not be able to vocalize, not be able to do anything, just kind of just be aware be stepped on every once in a while, have ants pick me up. And those are two of my kind of, like, weird, irrational fears. Uh, also the fear that people are robots. Mm. I'm not. And you just gave me, like, a really weird look. It wasn't suspicious, Nathan. And this comes from the idea of, like, um, it's kind of like Descartes' devil thing, where what if the people you're interacting with, they're not, like, actually human, maybe they're created by your mind, or maybe they're actual robots who are designed to kind of interact with you. Or what if, you know, there's actually a devil pulling all the strings and, you know, there's actually a sound set, you know, right off here. And every time I go over here, people just kind of rearrange it to kind of fit for me, right? That's kind of a weird kind of fear as well. It sounds like a very, very egotistical way to look at life. Like, everything's about me. Everything's to make (laughs) fool me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for you, that'd be like a dream come true. No, I mean, that's just my reality. It seems like... (laughs) <laughs> to me, it's it would make so much more sense if everything was to fool everybody. Like there was one one mastermind who dropped us all into a a a program and we're jacked into the matrix per se, and we're all playing at the same time on the on a local server. 
life is the ultimate game in this sense. There's no lag. There's uh, such a vast network outside, but we can never really reach the outside too much. And it only needs to spawn things outside of our site when it's actually being viewed. So it doesn't really use too much of the system memory to and RAM to actually run it. This is a sort of like a combination of the kind of matrix idea with uh, integrating having different people having their own consciousness and being real. And then this idea of reality is just what's around you. It's kind of interesting. Like, you know how in a video game when you're facing one way, uh, everything are, that you're not is in not in your line of sight isn't being generated. It's not being populated. So technically, it's just a, an idea, a thought, like... Now, if you turn around and see it, it is there, and it's still the same. So it only needs to generate what's actually being physically seen. And that really explains the um, double-slit experiment in, um, quantum in quantum mechanics. But anyway, we're way off the grid at this point. Um, so you <laughs> would that would that fall under any of your fears, Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> would, would what fall under my fears? So like uh, being on the same server? Like if, if this was all a game and we're all jacked into the same server? Well, no, that wouldn't be as bad because then we're all in the same server. Like, I can be certain you are real. I can be certain you are real, Sandy, and so on and so forth. I'm not worried about this, you know, outside this wall actually not being existing, right? So, But what if when you got you finally had your game ended and you get jacked back into the real world and you were actually really, really ugly? That'd be, that'd be terrible. Now it's a fear for you. <laughs> You're no longer the the handsome Nate Pepin. Instead, you're the ugly Nate Pepin. Actually, that does remind me, though, of the whole Matrix thing, because that was another fear I had. And this is before I saw the book or even anything with that, because it's a Plato's cave kind of thing as well. But I thought that what I was living right now, what I was living right now was actually a dream, and that I was going to wake up and... It would, is you know from my point of view it's like a whole lifetime but from the person who woke up it's just like just a second it's just like when you wake up from a daydream like oh man that, that was weird mm. and yeah I, I don't have these fears anymore because they're sounds like severe disassociation yeah because that's a, a very common thing with people who are disassociated is that they they feel like everything's a dream um and you're just gonna wake up or nothing matters because it's not real or something along those lines and i feel like everybody gets that sometimes like once in a while or at some point in their life or maybe that's just me and i'm trying to rationalize it yeah yeah have you experienced any of those kind of similar fears with like dissociation or kind of the matrix stuff or is that not really fear for you oh no that's just a theory for me but if it's real or not it's really irrelevant my my main goal is to just make the most of this whatever it is and if it's real or not well we'll find out eventually so what are your fears <clears throat> um claustrophobia i don't like the idea of being buried alive um a lot um and like if if someone like i remember uh growing up when uh sasha and i would have pillow fights or something like that like if she ever like covered my face all of a sudden it would get really violent like, I would fight, like, for my life, even if it was for, like, a millisecond, just because it was such a deep-seated fear that I would immediately think I was dying. So, in a way, that kind of fear of being suffocated is rational, but perhaps to the extreme you took it was a bit irrational, would you say? Oh, definitely, yeah. No. Uh, I, I think claustrophobia and suffocation is very rational fear, but I take it to an extreme point in any time it's even a relative idea, I panic. 
and take extreme measures to make sure it stops immediately. Are there any other kind of fears like that within your life? Like maybe what a, what a more irrational or what a, like just baseless like a... I'm not a huge fan of heights, but I I can get over that. I, I like rides that involve heights, roller coasters, Ferris wheels, things like that. I could see myself someday doing um if it was offered to me skydiving, I would probably do it, but I would be terrified. So but I'd be willing to to face that. I don't know that I have any fears that I would say are irrational or baseless or that any nobody else would be able to really connect with yeah at least for me with heights like i'm afraid of heights for maybe the first like uh 15 minutes so it's like when you go to like a uh amusement park i'm very like afraid and wary the first 15 minutes like i'm like oh shit i'm gonna fall and die this is bad but then after those 15 minutes i could be as high as possible and like uh, this is this is interesting this isn't scary. There's an alchemation point for me. I uh, one of one of my biggest day to day fears is that there's a fire at my house when I'm not there, and my cat is trapped inside the fire. Or um, I open the bathroom window, and um, I leave it open, and outside is a porch, and I'm on the third floor, and he likes to jump from the bathroom window onto the railing of the porch three floors up. And I'm always afraid he's going to make that jump, slip, fall, and I'm going to find him laying on the ground in pain and have to put him out of his misery. Very rational, but to think about it, like, daily is n probably not as rational. Yeah, I mean, it's possible your cat would survive that fall, but, you know, I've been to your house, and that's that's a pretty high amount. And cats are pretty good about jumping like that, but it's it's still, they can make mistakes. I personally find it irrational that you do it every day. Yeah. You leave that window open. Oh, yeah. no, I would not. Well, that's how. I it, would shut it. He's happy was... going out there. He likes going out there. So it's, it's, he has the free will to make that decision. And if he makes a mistake, then that's on him. Like, it's, it'll be terrible for me, but who am I to take away from him the opportunity to do something that he likes so it's kind of like the fear you feel is justified in your mind because you're giving him the freedom that he wants he he has a right to the freedom to make choices the same way that i do and i don't want to take those choices away from him just because i have fears i don't think that's fair that relates to a lot of different parenting methods where some people are very overprotective of their children because they have all these kind of fears, you know, whether rational or irrational. And by limiting your child, you know, there's, there's consequences that maybe there's good things. So maybe they don't find their child on the road and have to put him out of his misery. <laughs> now, there's there's another angle that I look at it from simultaneously, and that's isn't it my responsibility to make sure that he doesn't get himself into a situation where he can be hurt like that? And I mean, I, I, that's a, a teeter totter balancing act that you gotta, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, first off he's, he's a cat. He's not a child. So there's huge differences there, but he's, I think that he has a, he can consent to making those decisions, knowing the dangers and he has a right to do so. That's assuming that he has enough intelligence to know the mm -hmm. dangers. This is the thing I think about cats. I think they're very good about calculating and figuring out their jumping they distances are. and stuff like that. So, 
I've seen him make the jump and slip on a little bit. Oh God. <laughs> and just like just like one foot just slip a little bit and then he grabs onto the edge, like knowing like he could have fallen there. But he still does it. So I mean he could go his whole life and never do it, or he could have done it right now while I'm gone and not. <laughs> Don't say that. Well, right? that, I'm just I'm making <laughs> my me. point. My point being, I know. My point being, this is how I feel every time I'm away from him. I feel like now we're gonna have to have like a you know update on your cat. I know, <laughs> every right? Time you come in, text me when you get home. <laughs> uh, okay, so no news is good news. <laughs> Let's... Oh, no, I want a text. <laughs> All right, well, I'll text you, Mom. And any listener that wants a personal text from me every day about my cat, just hit me up. We're on Twitter at WNTT1. Perfect place for a plug. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, so I, I want to know, you know, as kind of a, 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 f- a final subject here, what is you guys' favorite medium for experiencing this holiday sensation of playful fear fear for fear for fun movies i love this time of year with all the movies coming out and all the my favorite oldies watching them again and again yeah do you have a favorite um the exorcist is one of my favorites for Mm. sure no that's definitely a a classic for sure yes now i'm kind of surprised i i expected you to say books because i know stephen king being your favorite author yeah well i love books too but there's, I don't know, it's just something about the movie that, and he has good movies. Um, are you excited for the the new It movie coming out? Yes. How do you feel about that? Yes. I've, I am excited for it. How would I, you feel if uh, we talked to Stephen King on the show? I would love that. Would you want to be on? Yeah. Do you have good, do you have good questions for him? <laughs> I will think of some. <laughs> think of some? I'll, I'll work on... I'll ask him where he gets his ideas. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. I, I'm sure he's been asked that. Just him. kidding. So... <laughs> Um, you think up some, some really good, um, really good questions. Uh, I'll work on getting them on. Nate, where, uh, what about you as far as the spooky media? So, I don't watch many horror movies or I don't really read novels or anything. I discover and kind of think about kind of, kind of creepy, scary ideas. So, so this is an example, and this is going to be based off the kind of uh, thing I was thinking about. Oh, what if every time you sleep, you actually die? Like, your brain shuts off, and just you just kind of die, but then you kind of come back alive, and it's essentially a clone of you, in a way. Like, you reboot, right? And when you reboot, your consciousness goes out the window. It's replaced by identical consciousness. So so those kind of, that's a scary idea to me. Heady, philosophical type stuff. And that is, is spooky? That is pretty that's spooky. It, that's in the Halloween spirit for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, that would be in the Halloween spirit for me. Well, cause... Spooky Socrates? Spooky Socrates. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good band name right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a good band name. <laughs> I mean, I, I get that these ideas aren't... Like, these philosophical ideas aren't, like cliche halloween or anything like that they're not like uh dracula or uh, witches and so on and so forth but it does feel into the kind of psychological horror kind of uh, genre of film and also you know media in general like for me like seeing like what's and what for me for me seeing gore and stuff happening like that this horrific stuff it, it's kind of like oh man that that's shitty that sucks big old blots. Big old butts, but 
for me, it's more the mental aspect which gets me. I agree. I one of my other favorite movies is called The Changeling, and it's like back in the seventies, and it's um, George C. Scott, and it's there's no blood or guts in the movie at all. There's it's it's just a very simple ghost story, and it scares the hell out of me every time I see it, and I've seen it like a billion times. But it's just it's the idea of it yeah also some of the fear for for me at least is i mean listening to these situations the one i kind of gave it's not the reliability but rather the ability not to relate so if you were in that position you wouldn't be able to relate that and since it's such a heady idea trying to explain that to someone like oh i actually died this is just a new consciousness and sorry i'm warning here because my neurons are meant to be doing this like that that's like such so hard to convey so, so so it's not being understood which is i guess a fear in that fair enough steve <clears throat> yes mother how about you how about me <laughs> um something uh, something that we haven't really talked about at all um that's actually become a huge market for uh for the halloween season is video games and uh, spooky video games, scary video games. Um, I know Resident Evil was a huge, huge part of my childhood growing up. Um, Resident Evil 1, Director's Cut, We, my mom could speed run that thing in under an hour. It was absolutely insane. I still um, can. <laughs> back, back before the internet, uh, there was rumors, or when the internet was being born, there were rumors that if you could beat it in under an hour, you could play as Barry Burton. And uh, that was kind of like your your mission, and then finally you did, um, and that was we didn't play as Barry Burton. That was a myth, but yeah. But that um, I know right. I know my brother still plays plays it a lot. Um, plays a game called Haunting Grounds that I got him. Um, so I know that video games is a, a huge market, and I, I definitely find those fun. I don't I like to watch them more than I like to play them. I know uh, a lot of times, like, uh, at Thanksgiving, we've kind of made a tradition to watch Mom play at least some of um, Resident Evil. Um, very, 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 di- very different. Um, that, that's adorable. <laughs> very different tradition to have, but. Nate wants to come over for Thanksgiving now. <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> I have, we're having it at my house, so that's definitely cool. You're, I'm cool with inviting you, so. Oh, man, I'm part of the family. You are. You call me mom, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But then you disowned me. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll re-own you. (laughs) (laughs) My mom owns you. (laughs) Um, So I I think video games is is definitely an awesome part. It's it's one of my favorite parts of of the season. You know what? It's weird because I totally forgot about video games. And that's actually one medium I do soak up. Like, I love watching people play scary games. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very rare that I actually get scared myself watching people play the game, but you probably remember this, Steve. We went over to one of my friends' house, and he had the game PT, mm-hmm. which is short for Playable Trailer. It's like a Silent Hill thing or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was Silent Hill before um, it released, and then it got canceled, but go on. So I saw so many of these people playing online. I didn't see too much of it, and I thought it was kind of fun to watch. You know, It's a little creepy, but I wasn't really scared. And then I had Steve and my friend play, and I was like, finding entertaining and then they're like oh nate you should play i'm like uh, no i'm all right i just want to watch like, oh nate you should play 
they hand me the controller, and all of a sudden, like, my anxiety goes way up. I'm like, okay, I don't want to look behind this door right here. I, I, okay, th- this wall right here is creeping the fuck out. Well, what the fuck is over there? Mm-hmm. It, it was very, I don't know, it put me in a whole different spot. It's it's much easier to be immersed in a video game because you're controlling the player. You have a lot more direct interaction, uh, and you know that your direct actions can have consequences, and that there's no... Though there is a set path, there's no real set path because you you can go anywhere in the game. Um, Silent Hill, like the first one, is a great example. That 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 game's amazing. It was so good in its atmosphere and and the way that you play the game. What was the one that they that the kids were playing all the time? And the, there was a big guy, and he was he'd go around saying "My dolly," Haunt- and they said that until we wanted to scream. Haunting grounds. <laughs> yeah. That- that was a good one. <laughs> it was. Um, I actually recently found my old video camera, and <laughs> God. I was watching some of the videos, and we said my dolly, like, probably 50 times within six minutes. It was insane. Remember Brian being Jill? <laughs> yeah. Brian would run around like it was Jill Valentine from but Resident Evil. he would do the sound effects, like, flawlessly. He would do it like, like the character animation did, like the really jerky, like, polygon, like, uh. <laughs> and it was so perfect. Like he got, he had it down to a. T- <laughs> he had it down to a T. Um, and my dolly, we would do that nonstop. But anyway, we're way off of the base at this point. Um, so I, I, I definitely love a lot of the things that we've talked about here with, uh, with being scared, the Halloween season, and how it kind of, it, it's more than just you know a, a tradition. Um, for that, the one, the 31st, the last day of October, and it, it's kind of grown into a full month celebrating more than just, you know, harvest or more than just the changing of seasons, more than just death. Uh, it's kind of grown to be fear as a whole and maybe celebrating both fear of both fear itself and the fact that we don't have to fear as much in the the present day i think that's definitely a a huge very interesting duality that we that we have uh, with this holiday it's kind of a much more complex holiday than it seems on the surface Hmm, i agree i agree me too and uh, i'm definitely glad that we've been able to devote a whole month to to halloween to this the spooky season and i definitely look forward to this is the first time we've mentioned it 31st falls on a Monday this year, and you know what that means. It means we need to talk. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say that it means we get a special coming out. (laughs) I totally thought you were setting me up for that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wasn't. Well, I was going to announce that we're going to have a a special. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Announce it. Well, I mean, it is what it is.